and find a place that you can grab a seat and you can continue to catch up with your friends after church. <clears throat> We're going to continue this morning in our I Am series. We've been looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus, seven of the most famous statements that Jesus made. And again, I want to remind you that these statements are not just pieces of information that we're wanting to give you. This is Jesus trying to say, this is who I am, and I want you to know me. And that's the, really the goal of this series, is that by the end of it, you would get to know Jesus more. Um, when, Jesus, when we look at the disciples, before Jesus walked into their life, they all seemed to kind of have a plan for their life. They kind of knew what they were doing. They had jobs that they were working in, in that day, oftentimes, when a boy would uh, journey towards manhood, uh, he would oftentimes step into the same business that his father did. So if his father was a carpenter, he would become a carpenter. If his father was a fisherman, he would become a fisherman. If dad was a tax collector, he would become a, a tax collector. And that's what happened in the lives of a lot of the disciples. And it wasn't so much that when they were doing fishing or carpentry or tax collecting, that that was like some horrible job that they hated. Some of them seemed to enjoy their jobs and like their jobs, but there was something in them that still felt unfulfilled, kind of like they looked at life and felt like there has to be more to life than this. There has to be more to taking over my dad's business and then fishing day after day and raising my family and then one day handing my family off to, or handing my business off to my, my kids and then dying. Like, there has to be more to life than that. And maybe some of you have felt like that at times. Like, there has to be more to life than just the mundane, day-to-day -day stuff that we're doing. And then Jesus walks into their life, and Jesus answers that question. And he says, there is more to life. There's so much more to life. And they literally drop all that they have, and they follow him. They leave their succession plans. They leave their family businesses. Some of them leave family behind. They all leave everything to follow Jesus. They left everything to follow him. And then they're looking at Jesus, and they've kind of been under Roman suppression for a while. And they're looking at Jesus, and they're waiting for him to like overthrow the Roman government and establish his own kingdom, like the Old Testament promised. And they're waiting for that to happen, but then Jesus starts to say things like, I'm only going to be here a little while longer. I've only got a little bit more time with you. And the disciples start to freak out, like kind of understandably so. Like they just left everything they knew to follow Jesus. And now Jesus says he's only going to be here for a little while longer. And that's kind of the backdrop to the scripture we're going to look at this morning is Jesus has started to tell the disciples, I'm only going to be here a little while longer. And they're kind of freaked out. So I'm going to look at John chapter 14 this morning. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. This is Jesus talking. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. I want to just pause there for a second. I know I only got like seven words into this or something like that. But he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Now, if I was Jesus, I might be a little bit frustrated with the disciples freaking out. Like, you've seen me heal people that needed to be healed. You've seen me take a little bit of food and feed 5,000 people. I, I took a blind man and I made him see You've experienced all this stuff with me. Like, you know you can trust me. But Jesus isn't frustrated at all. Jesus sees their struggle. He sees their doubt. And he meets it with compassion. He doesn't rebuke them. He greets them with compassion and kindness. 
It reminds me a lot of this, the story that ben, Pastor Ben preached out of last, last week, where Mary and Martha greet Jesus, and they're like, if you would have been here, our brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus sat down with them, and he wept with them. I want you to see in this scripture that Jesus greets your struggle with compassion. So if you're here today and you're struggling with anything, and probably all of us are struggling with one thing or another, I want you to know that we serve a God that greets your struggle with compassion. Let's keep reading. He said, You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we get there? I just want to stop again for a second. I love Thomas's honesty. Jesus says, like, you know the way to get to where I'm going, and Thomas is like, um, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know where you're, what you're talking about. Like, you talk in riddles and stories all the time, and we're just trying to keep up. Like, what are you talking about? And I love it because Thomas gets a bad rap. In fact, sometimes Thomas is referred to as Doubting Thomas. But there isn't a person who's here this morning who hasn't doubted at one time or another. And if we're going to follow Jesus, Thomas shows us the way to follow Jesus is to be honest. It's to be real. You can't follow Jesus and be fake and say, well, you know, I have a strong faith. I've never really doubted the Lord. It's like, well, apparently you struggle with doubt and lying because we all struggle. We all doubt God at times in our life. And here Thomas says, if you want to follow God, you got to do it honestly. Don't be afraid to raise your hand and say, Lord, I don't exactly know what you're talking about. Can you, can you explain it again for me, like I'm five, you know? And then Jesus answers this question. And really, there's two questions that Thomas is asking here. The first question is, can you get us home? And the second question is, where are you taking us? Where are you taking us? And can you get it home? And Jesus answers the question with today's I am statement. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the first thing, I want to break down that statement that Jesus said this morning. First thing I want to look at is Jesus says he is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only Savior from the slavery of sin and death. Your body, your soul, your spirit, they crave home. They crave a place of rest and peace. And the way to have the soul level communion with your creator is through Jesus. We all have this thing inside of us that desires to be in communion with the Father, desires to be in relationship with him. And Jesus is the way there. Making more money, getting a better job isn't going to satisfy that desire in your heart. Living in a new town or getting a new house isn't going to do it. Even having better relationships or friendships is not going to satisfy that place in you that was designed to be in relationship with your Creator. It's only through relationship with Jesus. Unfortunately, this kind of language isn't really even acceptable in our life anymore. A lot of churches aren't even, won't even use the word sin anymore. We want to talk about struggles or having a hard time. We don't want to talk about sin. And, and in the world we live in, it's like, who is anyone to tell me what is and isn't sin and what's right and what's wrong? And really, everyone just does whatever is right in their own eyes in the given moment. 
the chasm between you and I and the home that we crave in our life is sin and death. That's the chasm between us and the desired uh, thing that we want to feel in our hearts is sin and death. And Jesus looks at us and he says, I will go to the cross and I will deal with sin and death and defeat it so that you can have relationship with the Father. How many of you guys like to travel? Anybody like to travel? Some people like to travel. Some people are like more homebodies and they'd rather stay home. Some people like to get away and explore different places and see friends and family in different places. But whether you're someone who likes to travel or doesn't travel, when we travel, each one of us come to a point where it's like, I am ready to go home. Like, the beach is awesome. This culture that we're experiencing, like, it's awesome. Being away with these other people, it's great. But we all come to a point where it's like, I have to get home. I want my own house. I want my own food. I want my own bed. I want people that speak English. Like, whatever it is, like, we all have that feeling that we eventually want to get home. But on a much grander level for our entire life, each one of us has that same thing inside of us where we want to get home. And home for us is relationship with our Creator. Each one of us wants to get home. Some people spend their entire life, you probably know people like this, spend their whole life trying to satisfy that place in them that really is a thing that only God can fulfill. Only God can fill that place in us. When I was in Sunday school, when I was a little kid, my Sunday school teacher used to say there's a God-shaped hole in each one of our hearts. And basically what that means is there's a place of our hearts that can only ever be filled, fulfilled with a relationship with God. And God's looking at us this morning and he's saying, don't even bother chasing the other stuff. Just come through Jesus. He is the way to relationship with the Father. So Jesus doesn't just stop there. He says he's the way, but then he also says he is the truth. Jesus is the way to God, but Jesus also embodies the truth of God. Jesus is God's gracious self on display for all to see. In Colossians 1, Paul says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God's like, just look at Jesus. Jesus invited the disciples into this relationship with him, and he invested in them so much. If anyone would understand Jesus, it would be the disciples. I mean, he spent day and night with them, he spent so much time with them, teaching him, teaching them. And if anybody would understand Jesus, it would be the disciples. And here in this portion of Scripture, Thomas exposes that the disciples didn't even understand Jesus. But he doesn't even seem frustrated. He doesn't even seem bothered. He doesn't seem annoyed. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. He greets them with compassion. Last week, Pastor Ben talked about when Lazarus died, and Mary and Martha come to him and they say, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. They're basically confronting Jesus and saying, this is your fault. And Jesus sits down with them and he weeps with them out of compassion. This is who the truth of who Jesus is. There's another time where we have this promiscuous woman that Jesus isn't even really supposed to be interacting with and she's at the well. And Jesus goes and sits down with her and interacts with her. And we see a little bit of their conversation, but somehow by the end of their conversation, 
even though he actually confronted sin in her life, at the end of the conversation, she leaves and goes and tells everyone about this man that captured her heart, this Jesus that she fell in love with. Another time, there's this woman who was actually caught in the act of adultery. They dragged her out in the street, and they were going to stone her, and they were allowed to stone her according to the law of the day. And they picked up stones that they were about to throw at her, and Jesus sits down with her and covers her and protects her. And he says to the people that were going to kill her, whoever's here who hasn't sinned before, you go ahead and cast the first stone. This is who Jesus is. This is the truth of who God is on display in Jesus. Another time, there's a group of tax collectors who were like the most hated people of the day. They were collecting too much taxes on people, and then they were skimming off the top to stick it in their own pocket. These people were like shady crooks. No one liked them. No one wanted to be around them. But Jesus goes and has dinner with them. Not only does Jesus, Jesus go have dinner with them, Jesus invites one of these guys into his inner circle. This is the truth of who Jesus is. It's the truth of who God is. He is far more merciful than any of us could ever even understand. He has more grace for us than we could ever even possibly comprehend. And the truth of what we see in Jesus trumps our fear of what we're afraid God is really like. Most of us are kind of afraid in the back of our mind that like God is mad at us because we don't measure up and we fail all the time. But when we see who God is in Jesus, we see mercy and grace on full display. This is the truth of who God is. Amen? Another thing we can look at when Jesus says he is the truth is the world that we live in is kind of crazy right now. I don't know if you noticed or not, but it's kind of come unhinged and gone nuts. So and in the world that we live in, Christians are starting to look more and more extreme. There's even some things that Christians would say would even be considered hate speech today. And so the world we live in, Christians are looking more and more extreme. So we look at that and we say, like, are Christians becoming more and more extreme? Like, what's happening there? Truth is, Christians aren't becoming more extreme. What's actually happening is the Bible is like this. It just never changes, and it's never going to change. It's just going to stay here forever. In fact, the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the culture around us is like dropping off a cliff and going completely berserk and crazy. So because of that, Christians appear to be more extreme because we're sticking closer to what is true and what the Word of God says and who Jesus is. And into 2023, Jesus steps and he boldly proclaims, I am the truth. I am the truth. I don't know if you've heard this phrase that people say. Sometimes people will say, like, I'm just speaking my own truth or something like that. And, you know, they can speak their own truth all they want, but what Jesus would say is, if it's not what I say, it's not the truth. So you can go around and declare your truth, but it doesn't really matter because it's not the truth, because Jesus himself is the truth. We don't get to decide what is and isn't sin and make it comfortable for us based on our life experience. Jesus has already decided, and he boldly proclaims, I am the truth. But there's good news that's attached to that. Jesus isn't just here to show us the places that we fall short in sin. He actually is here to make a way for each one of us. The message of the gospel is the God that says that we don't measure up went and paid the price 
so that you and I could measure up. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth. And then he says, he's the life. In the verses prior to this, Jesus is talking about how he goes to prepare a place for us and how there's room for everyone. And then he says, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And when he talks about the life, he's talking about the space between now and when he comes to take us home. The space between where we are now and when he comes to, to take us home. If you were to go do a survey today and ask people what they really wanted out of life, like you, if you asked like 10,000 people what they wanted out of life, probably the most common thing that anybody would say was they wanted to be happy. They wanted to experience happiness in life. They want to have a good and a fulfilled life. And what we somehow miss along the way is that's actually what Jesus is offering us. The way the Bible phrases it is he's offering us abundant life or life to the fullest. Somewhere along the way, we kind of get confused and we think that saying yes to Jesus means we're giving up being happy. We're giving up having fun. But really, God made us and he knows that we desire to be happy in our hearts. And the place that he's trying to lead us is actually the place of greatest fulfillment. It's kind of funny to me when science catches up to something the Bible told us thousands of years ago, and that happens all the time. I was reading an article the other day. There's this guy, who, this doctor, who's like become famous for studying longevity and what causes people to live a long and rich life, and not just live for a long time, because modern medicine can keep us along for, alive for a long time, but what things that we could do in our lives that would cause us to actually live a fulfilled and a great life uh, late into our years. So he's studying this, and he's got all kinds of teams of doctors and scientists that are working with him. And the conclusion of months and months and months of study, that the conclusion they came to was one of the greatest ways that people could live a happy life is if they took one day off a week from work. And I read that, and I thought to myself, like, I think I've read that before. Like, I kind of think God did that when he like made everybody and made mankind in the world for six days and then he took a day to rest and then sprinkled all throughout scriptures this idea of this, the Sabbath. Like, Why did we need this scientist and this team of doctors to tell us what the Lord told us thousands of years ago? And the more you walk with God, the more you'll find this. As you'll look back at things that you didn't understand when God said it in the beginning, but now that you've walked with God for a while, you look back and you're like, okay, I see why he asked me to do this. So we can actually live a fulfilled life by just being obedient to what God has called us to and walking with him. We don't have to wait for some scientist to come and tell us this is how to be fulfilled. God has already told us. One of the things that I think um, contributes probably the most to a lack of, hap lack of happiness in the world that we live in today is trying to project an image of ourselves that's not real. Trying to project an image of ourselves, like we want the world around us to see us as this thing, but it's not really who we are. Like we fall short, like we try and present an image like we have it all together, but inside we really know we don't have it all together. So we project this image, and I gotta tell you, doing that is exhausting. And social media just makes it worse. It's like a, a perfect place to display this you know, squeaky clean image of yourself when really you're just a human, as it turns out, and there's stuff you struggle with inside. And so we all, sometimes we try and do that, and the end result of that is you actually end up not liking yourself. 
you end up not liking who you are because you're like trying to live in these two worlds where you present yourself one way, but then there's this other way that you are inside and it creates this division inside of you and you end up not liking yourself. Sometimes people do that for so long that they get so frustrated and they just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to be my true self. And what they usually mean by that is they're going to end up giving in to sin in some area of their life because they're sick of presenting themselves in some way that they're not. I was talking to a, a friend of mine not that long ago and he called me and I said, hey, how you doing? And he said, not good, not good at all, not, 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 not good. And I said, what's going on? Like, what happened? And he starts screaming at me. He says, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you were fine yesterday. Like, what, what did you, could you possibly have done in the last 12 hours that made you feel like this? And I thought there was, like, some specific thing that he had done, like he had messed up in some area of his life. But it turns out there wasn't really any specific thing that he could point to. So I talked to him a little more, and we kind of dug a little deeper. And he started telling me all these other areas of life that he feels like he's not measuring up. He said, I'm a crappy dad. I'm not a good Christian. I'm not a hard worker. I fake like I am, but really I'm lazy. He kind of went through like all these areas of his life where he felt like he's falling short. And what it had done in him is it had created this incredible insecurity that was hard to even live with. So we talked about it, and kind of at the bottom of it was what he was trying to do was he was trying to present his righteousness to God and to the world around him. Like, look at me, I'm a good dad. Look at me, I'm a good worker. I'm a good Christian. I'm doing all this stuff. But inside, he was just a person, and there was a lot of times that he failed and fell short. And it created this horrible thing inside of him where in the end he felt like he couldn't even live with himself. And so he called me to expose himself and to tell me what a horrible person he was. He's not really that horrible of a person. He's just the same as you and me. And in the end, I said to him, bro, like, your righteousness is never going to be enough. It's never going to measure up. You're going to fall short every single time. You get a zero on this test a hundred times in a row. Like, you can't take it and do a little bit better. Like, you're going to fail time and time again. But it's totally okay because your righteousness is not going to get you there. And my righteousness is not going to get me there. Jesus' righteousness is what gets us there. He went and made a way. Like all the laws in the Bible weren't there to show you everything you have to do. They were to show you you can't do it. So you could rely on Jesus to be your righteousness. All the commands in the Bible, all the thou shalt and thou shalt not, those are God trying to lead us to the most fulfilling life possible that he called us to. In Psalm 16, the psalmist says, the boundaries have fallen for us in pleasant places. Meaning, the rules of God, the laws of God, are not God trying to stop us from having a good time or having a good, fulfilled life. No, this is God trying to lead us to the best possible life for you and for me. I mean, if you think about it, who knows how to handle money better than God? Like, it's kind of all his anyways. He kind of knows how to do it. Who knows how to have better relationships than God? Relationships were literally his idea. And he's been in perfect harmony and communion with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for all of time. God knows how to get us to the life that we were made to. The last thing that he says is he says, 
I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is Jesus saying, he's the way home. If you haven't been around church very much, you might look at that statement, Jesus saying he is the only way, and you might be like, man, like, what are you, some kind of backwoods, old-school hillbilly that believes that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Like, you can't possibly believe that half the people on the planet who don't say yes to Jesus are going to hell. First of all, thank you for the compliment of calling me an old-school backwoods hillbilly. I count that as a compliment. Second of all, that actually is exactly what I believe. I believe the only way that our soul finds rest is through Jesus. The only way to the home that you and I crave so desperately is through Jesus who came and laid down his life and made a way for you and me. If you look at the rest of the religions of the world, um, at the center of them is something that's called moral deism, which basically means there's a list of things that you have to do to measure up. There's a list of things that you have to do to make yourself right and okay and have that religion's God's acceptance in your life. So what that does for people is it ends up forcing people to live a double life. It ends up forcing people to have this outward persona that they want to look a certain way when they're really just falling apart on the inside. Christianity is different from every religion on the face of the, on the, face of the world. Jesus said, to each one of us, I will make a way for you. Here's not a list, there's not a list of things you have to do to, to receive God's grace. He says, no, I'll come and I'll make a way for you. I'll make a way for you to be in right relationship with the Father. So the reason that I rest in the cross of Christ is because he paid my debt. He paid my bill. I can't do it on my own. Like the Apostle Paul, he wrote like a third of the New Testament. He says, what I try not to do, I end up doing. And what I know I should do, I end up not doing that. Like, isn't that basically the human experience as we all screw up all the time and there's things we know we should do, but we don't do it, and things we know we shouldn't do, but we end up doing it? The answer is Jesus every time. Jesus is the way home. I want to end this morning. You can go ahead and bow, bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to end by giving you an opportunity to say, you know what? You feel like a little bit like my friend. Like you've been carrying around this weight of trying to perform. You've been carrying around this weight of trying to measure up. The weight of keeping this outward persona that you want the world to see that's so much different than who you are on the inside. It's been heavy and it's been tiring and it's been exhausting. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, we just come to you right now. And Lord, certainly some of us have been living in that world where we've been faking the funk and trying to look a certain way on the outside, but on the inside we're something different. And it's tiring and it's exhausting. But Jesus, you, you step into that situation and you say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The gospel is such good news for imperfect, broken people like us. Lord, today afresh, we receive that good news. We receive your righteousness, even though we don't deserve it. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you've been carrying that weight of trying to perform, 
living that performance-based Christianity. And it's felt so lifeless for you. It's felt so tiring. And that abundant life sounds so appealing to you. Say, man, I want that abundant life. I want to live life to the fullest. Jesus is literally offering that to you right now. Just picture him holding it in front of you and say, God, I want to receive that abundant life. I don't want to act like I have it all together on the outside when I'm a mess on the inside. I want to, I want to pursue you in an honest way like Thomas. You, know, you don't even have to understand everything God is saying. You just have to trust him. You have to put your faith in him and receive the free gift that he's offering you. Lord, we receive afresh today your incredible mercy and grace that we don't deserve, we didn't earn it, but you just freely give it to us. Lord, I ask that mercy and grace would flow into each place of our heart that we need it that we would feel forgiven in a way that we haven't before. We would feel free in our hearts in a new way. God, would you come and minister to us this morning? God, we believe that you are the truth. You are the truth of who God is on display for us to see. And what you show us of who God is, Lord, it drives us to relationship with the Father. It doesn't make us want to run away and hide. It makes us want to run to you. And so that's what we do this morning. We run to you, God. Lord, we receive your free gift this morning to us. And Lord, I pray for anyone who has felt like some of this is not really new information, but it hasn't been true for them in their hearts. Lord, I ask that today this truth would take root in their hearts and they would see you in a new way today as the way, the truth, and the life we receive today. In your name we pray, amen. Have a blessed week.